It is a delight to be here. I, I was here a few years ago, and, um, you know, I think your church has a problem here. You don't have enough empty seats. Now, in most churches I'm in, they have a problem too, but they have too many empty seats. And so praise the Lord for what God's doing here. Amen? And, uh, you know, let me reiterate what pastor said. I love being an American. I could have been born in India, China, Russia. I could have been born in El Salvador. And instead, I was born in Guam. (laughs) Uh, That's because my dad was a Marine. He was a lifer. And, um, you know, we sang about, I mean, we didn't sing. We just listened to Lydia playing, playing the Star Spangled Banner. And that's a beautiful song. How does it end? And it's a good thing to focus on. The, the land of the free and the home of the... There's not going to be freedom unless there are brave men and women who are willing to stand. My dad was a part of that greatest generation, and he, uh, he fought in World War II. And he fought in Korea. And he fought in Vietnam. There weren't too many generations that could fight in all three wars. And he fought for something. He fought for just what your pastor mentioned. He fought, he fought for freedom here in America. It's very important that people stand for freedom. And that's what I do now. I... I uh, I'm a Vietnam-era guy, and I signed up to join the Army, and I flunked the physical, which is very sad. It, it was because of eyesight. It, it wasn't because I swallowed something to make myself get sick or something like a lot of people who just wanted to avoid. We need to be willing to fight for our country. We need to be willing to fight for freedom And that's what I want to look at. Turn over just briefly to Galatians (coughs) chapter 5. I'm going to take this verse a little bit out of theological context. Uh, It starts off with two words that I, I want you to see. This is what we need. In Galatians 5, 1, it says this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Folks, those first two words are stand fast. When you become a soldier, you are taught to obey your orders. And if they tell you to charge the enemy, you need to do what? Charge the enemy. If they tell you to stand and fight, what do you need to do? Once you stand, that makes you something. You know what that makes you? A target. I hope you grasp that. How many of you... Like to be shot at. <laughs> and not many takers. Now, how many of you like shooting? <laughs> yeah, boy. I tell you what, I'm not worried about Sydney. <laughs> That's good. Ask him how many are. Yeah, no, I'm not going to ask. But <laughs> if you're a bad guy, you don't want to come to my church at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning either. Uh, because you're not going to last long. 
I don't know how many other people are going to get killed in the crossfire, but <laughs> Stay low. yeah, just duck, <laughs> just duck. Um, my father was willing to stand, you know, and and uh, praise the Lord that He's given me a, a different battlefield Amen. in which I don't go and stand alone. I only go and stand in the courtroom because a preacher stood first. You got that? And he can't stand without you folks standing with him. You're so important. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a very <clears throat> optimistic person. I have a very positive personality. I'm loud my wife and I, this. Mm-hmm. and uh, if I weren't here right now, I'd be in my church, I'm in charge of junior church, and, and so if I get a little lively and a little loud, that's normal for me at this hour, okay? <clears throat> I want to talk about, about this thought. The America my dad grew up in no longer exists. I want you to think about that. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, so much that I could be here in Sydney. I could be here at Grace Baptist Church at the invitation of Pastor Jim Alter. Thank you for him and his family and these dear people who have just who have, have just filled these these seats here today, Father, because they love you. They, they love the gospel. They want to help defend the gospel and spread the gospel and help us, Father, to understand that it's been under attack now for 2,000 years. And what we're facing isn't something new. It may be more of what we have faced before, though. And help us to understand our critical role in going forward and how we must go forward. There's only one clear path, and help us to do that. And I pray, Father, there may be someone here today who who is under the hearing of your word, and yet who doesn't know you, who isn't sure that they've ever asked Jesus into their heart, who's not sure that, that their sins are forgiven, they're not sure they're going to heaven someday. Let this be a, a glorious day in which heaven shall cheer if there's one person here today who trusts in Jesus, bless your word. Let the Holy Spirit take control in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn over to 2 Timothy. And I just want to point out something that I think is becoming increasingly obvious. And you might not agree with me, but I'm the one standing at the pulpit. <laughs> so... Uh, you can talk with me afterwards on anything you disagree with. And plus, I'll be here at 2 o'clock. So you can ask any question you want. We invite you to come back. Chapter 3, 2 Timothy, verse 1. And this is, is something that uh, I'm not glad that we're here, but I think we're here. It says this, This know also that in the last days... Perilous time shall come. Now, I don't know how long we've been in the last days, um, but I think that we're in the last days. 
right now. I think perilous times have come. I think we are in perilous times. For 20 years, Lighthouse Legal Ministries has been documenting the legal decline of America. And one of the major issues that we have been documenting is this cultural war. Now, I didn't invent that term. Justice Scalia used that 12 years ago in a Supreme Court decision that decriminalized homosexual behavior. And um, he said that the Supreme Court has taken sides in the cultural wars. Now, how many of you dispute that today? What Justice Scalia said then is true, that these cultural wars are important battles that we are fighting on a case-by-case basis, but honestly, your preacher said it in Sunday school, we have lost that war. Our culture has, has become unbiblical with respect to the issue of homosexuality, and the consequences of that are legal, but also one thing that we're seeing, you know, I believe in protest. Do you believe in protest? I do. As Baptists, we've been protesting for 2,000 years. If you don't have a protesting mentality, you just talk some, spend some time with your preacher. I mean, we have been the ones dissenting against a culture that's gone bad. We've been the ones dissenting against the, the Roman Catholic Church and the Protestant churches. We are dissenters. But what's happening now is different people have the microphone. And they are protesting against people who believe in the Bible. That's all there is to it, folks. If you believe in this book, there, there is a large, widespread protest movement. It's the homosexual activists That's right. who want to shout you down, That's right. who do not want you to have a voice. And, and you say, oh, that's not true. Well, it is true. And it's becoming more and more obvious. Now, let me say this. I'm discussing legal issues. I'm discussing a, a particular sin. Now, all of us are sinners, right? The, uh, I think America as a nation is a lot like the city of Corinth back in the time of the New Testament. And that was, that was a very wicked city. And, and the people in that church had been very wicked. I mean, I was 26 years old when I got saved, folks. 26. You know, before I got saved, you know, I was a wicked man. I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was injurious. Just like the Apostle Paul. Just like you. And yet, praise God, there was someone around preaching the gospel. I heard the gospel, and eventually, my hard head allowed that message in, and the Holy Spirit just gripped my soul Praise God, I got saved. Amen? I hope your testimonies, I got saved. In fact, I'm just going to ask, if you're saved, say, Amen. Amen. I hope you're excited about that. I hope you haven't lost your joy, your enthusiasm. You know, it's a choice. I didn't get saved, and I'm going to go to hell. That doesn't make much sense. Let's try it again. I got saved, and I'm going to heaven. Amen. 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 Some of you are just a little too Presbyterian. 
You know what I mean? You just can't get to it. That's what I do in junior church. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't like being in the last days. Um, I want to talk right now about the first days. Let's go back and look at the first days. Let's go back, and I could go back and back and back, but let's just start at Acts chapter 1. I want to to point something out. Acts chapter 1. This is the early church. This is the first century church. This is the early days of the church. And right before Jesus went to heaven, went back to heaven after his resurrection, he he gave this, this command to the church. And I believe this command is just as applicable today as it was then. Jesus never revoked this. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But ye shall receive power. You know, I'm just going to talk a little bit about this. Folks, you are not powerless. Now, the power isn't in you. It's not in those guns that are at your hip or your ankle. That power is in the Spirit of God, folks. I hope you see that. If you're trusting in your power... To fight these battles, that's very foolish. And it's, it's, it's either ignorant or prideful, and you choose which one you would rather be called. Ignorant or prideful. Uh, but ye shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. Did you know that the Holy Ghost resides in you if you're a Christian? You know that? That makes you pretty special. I'm just imagine having God inside of you. All those superheroes they have. You know, in the comic books and the movies and TVs, I don't know any one of them have one thousandth of the power that resides in you. I hope you grasp that. What you can do, now it's not for what you want to do, it's, it's what God wants to do in this context, what this verse is talking about, and we're building up to it. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Receive power to do what? And this isn't hard, folks. You know, this isn't complicated. You know, this isn't really that intellectual to grasp this. I think everyone here can grasp this. If you're within the hearing of my voice, you can grasp this. You are receiving power. It says here, and ye shall be what? Witnesses. Man. Um, Up in... Cleveland, they have that basketball player, what's his name? I forget it all. You know. um, and they have these posters about, you know, witness, you know, and stuff like that. Hey, folks, you know, I didn't come here to be a witness for LeBron James, although I am glad he's in Cleveland. <laughs> Let me just say that, if you like sports. Um, ye shall be witnesses. Witnesses, not of... LeBron James, but it says, witnesses unto me. And who's speaking? Jesus. Now, what does a witness do? Elsewhere in here it says, all you do is just tell other people what you've seen and heard. Can you do that? All of you witness sports events or stuff you see if you're just sitting at the table at home you're witnessing you know what your little brother's eating 
You know, and he's probably slopping it all over his face and his plate and the table and on the floor. And you're a witness to that. And he's disgusting. And Gracie's the oldest. Uh, she has two younger brothers and a younger sister, and she witnesses a lot of things that are disgusting, in her opinion. That's all a witness is. Can you be a witness? And you say, no, no, I, I really can't be a witness because, you know, I don't have my Ph.D. Hey, when you go into court because you witnessed an accident, they don't ask you, do you have a Ph.D.? They don't ask you if you have a master's degree. They don't ask you if you have a bachelor's degree. All they want you to do is just tell them what you've seen and heard. Now, have you seen and heard anything that Jesus has done for you? And there's no one that's going to argue with you over what you've seen and heard. They may argue over the elements of the gospel, the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, they can argue that. They can argue all the great doctrines of this book. But being a witness, you just tell people what you've seen and heard of Jesus, what he's done for you. You know, how many of you love public speaking? You just love it. Okay, that's good. Okay, how many of you don't like to do it? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. Okay. Growing up, growing up, I... Graduating from high school, I would have easily been considered the least likely to be a lawyer. And that's because I grew up stuttering. I was terrified to stand up in a crowd and open my mouth. But folks, after I got saved, I became a witness. Can you be a witness? Well, I'm just so shy, you don't understand, and I don't speak well. Power, power. Do you have any power in you? Power of the Holy Spirit. Now, power to be a witness. Now, where do we be a witness? And I I want to emphasize this. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Folks, can you do that? Can you be a witness in Jerusalem? That means Sydney. Right, can you be that? You know, do you have any gospel tracts on you? That's being a witness. Just hand a gospel track out. You know, if you have a friend, a neighbor, can you do that? Can you talk to them about Jesus? And it's not like, well, let me tell you what Romans 8 really means. You don't have to do that. You just tell them what he's done for you. Invite him to church. Do you know any good churches in Sydney? Yeah. You know, but that's just the starting point, isn't it? But they, but Jesus says, don't stop there. Go on to, what's next? Judea, that's like the rest of Ohio. And then Samaria, all the really bad people up north, that's Michigan. <laughs> okay, who's here from Michigan? Let me see. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, but you don't stop in Michigan. Man, you go to the outermost part of the earth. Folks, This church supports missionaries, as you should. They're the ones who go to the uttermost part of the earth. But this church supports them. Think about it. Those missionaries you support, what percentage of their support comes from churches in America? 
Think about that. What you know? How many people in how many churches in England support the missionaries you support? How many churches in France support the missionaries you support? I mean, you know, America, the land of the free and the home of the brave, is also the land that supports missionaries to take the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth. Praise God for America. Amen. That we have that liberty to do that. But what happens if we lose that liberty? It's under attack. We talked about it in Sunday school. Maybe we'll talk about it more at 2 o'clock. Please come back if you can. But folks, if we lose the liberty to preach the gospel here in America, or if we are uh, marginalized, as your pastor said, if the government just wants us to get just within these four walls right here and not give you a voice to go out in the community, what's going to happen to the missionaries overseas as liberty is taken away in America and our churches get smaller and smaller and smaller and put over into a corner? I call it ghettoization. Placing you in the ghetto. And you say, I don't like that word. Well, in America we think of the ghetto as like in... New York City, Harlem and place. But trust me, long before that, there were ghettos in Europe, and those ghettos in Europe weren't aimed at black people. Those ghettos were aimed at what group? The Jews. Has it happened before that a religious minority has been placed into a ghetto? Yes. And when you're in that ghetto, it's easy to, it's it's like a, a duck shoot, man. You have a bunch of ducks in a, a lake and you just start blasting away, man, because it's all in a small area and they can control you and, and they can persecute you. That's right. And what happens if America loses the ability to support missionaries? What's going to happen to the missionary effort around the world? It's going to shrink. You know, if you think of this front pew here, Praise the Lord, you're so crowded. You have people sitting in the front pew. I mean, that's amazing. You know, the back pew, that's pretty much all taken up because prime real estate, estate, back row Baptists, understand that. But that's okay. At least you're a Baptist and you're in church on a Sunday morning, amen? amen? But if you think of your city right here, you think of your city right here as just this front pew, What would happen if everyone emptied out this front pew? There was no one else in this front pew. And let's say this was Judea to here. And let's say this was Michigan here. And all the rest of you are the uttermost part of the earth. How much mission support is going to go out there if this local church is empty? Worldwide missions depends on the freedom to preach and the freedom to preach and the freedom to preach right here in America. And it's under attack, folks. You got that? There are people out there that are protesting. There's a, just this week, a guy works, you know, in in an office And his boss came to him this week and said, I need you to take something down off of your Facebook page. What? I mean, I 
when he shared this with me, I was like, you know, your boss doesn't have any, any authority over what you post privately on your own Facebook page. Yeah. You know, I said, there has to be something to this. What's going on? And he said, well, I express my beliefs on my Facebook page like everyone else, and I explained on my Facebook page what I believe, what the Bible says, homosexuality is a sin. And employees who don't like that message in their in his place of work are protesting his statement on Facebook. And they're telling the boss, the employer, get rid of that guy or get rid of your message. That's what we're facing in America, preacher. Amen. And I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I do know that I believe that we're living in the last days. What do we do in the last days? We do what the early church did. And I want to show you something that I find is amazing. Where do we preach the gospel first? Jerusalem, Sydney, okay? But we don't stop there. We got to keep moving on. We got to branch out further and further. But I, it, it always struck me in Acts 1, where was the church? They were in what city? In Acts 2, just keep flipping. Where was the church? Where was the church in Acts 2? Jerusalem. I love controversy like this. Acts 3. Where was the church? Jerusalem. Acts 4. Where was the church? Are you seeing a pattern here? Acts 5. Where was the church? Acts 6. Where was the church? You know... I don't like being in the last days, but when, and stay right there in Acts 6, when the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, which was his last epistle, that, we're, that perilous time shall come in the last days, that passage concludes with some stuff about his persecution, that chapter. He was persecuted. We're going to face persecution. We don't like persecution. We like comfort. You got it? Ladies, do you like the safety and comfort of your nest? Uh Uh-huh. That's why mothers hate it when their sons or daughters say, I'm going to be a missionary and go to France. (laughs) Crazy. She wants to go to Paris, France as a missionary. Well, good. But your mother would just, oh, my baby girl, I'm so comfortable having you here. Folks, this church here was slow to obey this great commission. It's not just get comfortable. What if the gospel stayed in Jerusalem? You, would, you and I would go to hell someday, die in our sins. Jesus had a plan to reach the whole world throughout all generations. Something happens... In chapter 7, okay, and it starts actually a bit earlier, but something happens that is 
highly significant. Look at the end of chapter 6, and it says, And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him. Who is him there? Stephen. Stephen's a young man. Saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. He starts preaching the history of the Jewish people, which was just God's plan to bring the Messiah to earth. And the Messiah had come, and his name is what? Jesus. Let's look over at the end of chapter 7. Verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Folks, you know what? The gospel still causes people to get very upset. And the, the homosexual activists, I'm not saying every homosexual is an activist. My brother-in-law, Jan's younger brother, is a homosexual. He lives in New York City. I don't know if he's ever going to change. We've witnessed to him, but we love him. Because, because there were homosexuals in Corinth, and some of them got saved. Such were some of you. Praise the Lord. You know, treat them just like drunkards. And if you don't want to preach the gospel to homosexuals, then stop preaching to drunkards too, okay? Because they're all in the same crowd. Sinners. These people didn't like Stephen. Verse 55. But he being full of the Holy Ghost. Do you see that? Do you know where your power is? He stood. Do you know why he's able to stand? It's not because he's, he's rich. It's not because he's famous. It's not because he's, he's, he's a great orator. He was full of the Holy Ghost. You got that? You can stand full of the Holy Ghost. Looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. I, I love this. Jesus was standing. Stephen stood and Jesus stood in response to Stephen standing. Man, that just, that touches my heart. You know, is Jesus going to stand for you? I just love this. Folks, we know that it blesses Jesus' heart when we stand for him. Now, what happens next is a personal tragedy. That's all there is to it. Verse 57. Then they cried out with a loud voice, and stop their ears. No, we're not going to listen anymore. And ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. That's what he was deserving. He, he was a blasphemer in their eyes. He was deserving of death. They grabbed stones. They stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet. This was one of the accusers. This is one of the people who were persecuting him. What was the name of that? It was a man named Saul. A fairly young fellow. It says a young man's feet whose name was Saul. 
And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God. And this is Stephen saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. This is someone who is willing to stand. When the bullets start flying, if you're standing, God doesn't build a, uh, an invisible shield around you. Okay, those bullets might come right at you. And they might hit you, guys. But you need to keep standing. And he kneeled down when he couldn't stand any longer physically. He stood, he stood, he stood. He was stoned. He was shot down. And he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Keep in mind, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, this is the devil and his demons. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. The worst day of his life was the best day of his life. He died. He stood and he died. And he fell asleep and he woke up in the arms of Jesus. Folks, persecution isn't something that I look forward to. But if you want the freedom to keep preaching the gospel, you need to keep standing. And when your pastor is called on the carpet, when he's standing in the courtroom, do you know what you need to do? You need to stand with him. What we do, I'm going to have your pastor stand just a second, and I'm done. He may be standing in a courtroom facing civil liability or criminal liability. Is it fun being in a courtroom? No. How many of you have ever been in a courtroom? Is it fun? No. You know why it's not fun? Because the courtroom is filled with lawyers. (laughs) And a prosecutor might be standing, facing him as he's standing, saying, I charge you on behalf of the state of Ohio for the crime of not going along, not complying with a homosexual agenda. How do you plead? Is it going to be fun, though, to stand in a courtroom? If you're standing alone, that's bad. That's what we do at Lighthouse Legal Ministries. When he's standing, we come along beside. We are an advocate. Jesus is our advocate. He's at his side. We're an advocate. All an advocate means is one who comes along at the side in time of need. And that's what we do. Jesus is an advocate. He's going to stand with him. If he calls us, we'll stand with him. But there's one other group that needs to stand with him. And who's that? That's you. Because that's going to be a tough time. The strongest of men can be stoned. So I want you folks to appreciate what we have in America the land of the free, the home of the brave. We need brave Christians. You got that? Not just the pastor, but you need to stand with him. Folks, without this freedom, the whole Great Commission is going to be stifled. That's what the devil wants, and the homosexual crowd doesn't care at all if this gospel goes beyond Sydney. They just don't care. We need to care. I'm going to ask you right now, look in your hearts. 
you know, young people, you know, this, this all might seem just like a dream to you, something that's just like way out there. My dad never faced any of this. I'm facing this stuff now in my latter years. My son, Daniel, Gracie's dad, is an independent Baptist preacher on the east side of Cleveland. He's going to be fighting these battles. But folks, the children, and I'm glad you have a church with a bunch of children, you're the ones who are in the battlefield. You're the ones under attack by the homosexual culture that has won the war. You need to stand against that kindly, lovingly, but firmly with a scriptural position, and you can't do it on your own. You need the Holy Ghost power, or you will just step to the side, or you'll crumble. The devil doesn't want you standing in public school. That's just that simple. You know, he's already won that battlefield. He doesn't want you adults standing at work or in your neighborhood. We need to stand. It's for the sake of America. If you want America to continue to be the land of the free, it's going to take America still being the home of the brave. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. We can be here.